I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Merry Christmas to you here on the sixth day of Christmas, and my true love gave to me the opportunity to be here with you. Uh, we're, we're having a great Christmas holiday in, uh, in my family. We have, this year, we've expanded our practice of Christmas a little bit longer. Of course, we've always left the tree up past Epiphany uh, because we have to get through the baptism of the Lord. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, but the last several years, we have been working on creating more anchor points, more uh, opportunities to celebrate. So we started in Advent, and we moved all of the St. Nicholas feast day activities, like the stockings and such, and we moved those all the way to his feast day, uh, there on the 6th. And then this year we added, um, we, we've been buying the tree on the second week of Advent and and then decorating it on Gaudate. We've been doing that for a while, but this year we added, we didn't light the tree until uh, St. Lucy's feast day, which was the 13th of December. And so we're, we're trying to find little things like that to kind of build anticipation into Advent. And we've done that, I think, pretty successfully, and we'll probably add more things next year. But this year, we focused on the Christmas side of things. How can we keep Christmas going? Well, part of that is we didn't play any, uh, any Christmas music, true Christmas carols, like songs about Jesus Christmas, uh, during the season of Advent. We, we have a playlist that we've created of all the holiday songs uh, that, <clears throat> that aren't really focused on Christmas proper. Uh, you know, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. That can be any time, right? Uh, those kinds of songs, even even White Christmas, uh, as we're, I'm dreaming of what's to come, right? We, we would play those songs during Advent. We also have this wonderful CD from the Daughters of Mary at Ephesus uh, called uh, Advent at Ephesus that we listened to during that time. But we haven't done any Christmas music until Christmas Day. And it would just, man, when we got there, I was all ready to go and and just really full-on enjoy uh, Christmas music. And we've been doing that, and we continue to do that all the way through the baptism of the Lord. But, you know, coming from a Protestant background, we used to sing all those just glorious Christmas carols during uh, the lead-up to Christmas, during Advent. And we became Catholic, and, of course, we don't do that because it's not liturgically appropriate yet. And so we do the, the anticipation songs during that point in time. And we save Christmas carols for Christmas. The only problem is there's only a, a limited amount of time that you have to sing just a ton of amazing Christmas carols. Uh, and so you don't really get those all put into the Mass. You have to create other opportunities. And so that is what we did this year. On the third day of Christmas, we invited some families over to our house, and we had 33 people crammed in this tiny little space, and we all gathered around uh, a piano and a guitar and we sang Christmas carols like there was no tomorrow. I mean, we went through uh, probably about two and a half, three hours of, hey, okay, uh, child number A, what's your favorite Christmas carol? And we would sing that one. And we had a few uh, few suggestions that we didn't do. We did not sing Jingle Bells, even though it was requested, because we really wanted it to be about the carol, the Christmas carol, this uh, this instrument for transmitting the mystery of Jesus. So we did Silent Night. We did Once in Royal David City. We did uh, Low How a Rose Are Blooming, which is just a beautiful, 
beautiful, if not somewhat musically complex, Christmas carol. And so we, with other people, decided we were going to proclaim the mystery of Christmas through song. Uh, and, and we had this carol sing, and people brought over some Christmas candies, and we made, uh, let's see, um, 12 quarts of hot chocolate. We burned through 12 quarts of hot chocolate. Uh, had some eggnog for those who wanted it. Strangely, uh, we didn't go through as much eggnog as we did hot chocolate. I, I know you're surprised by that. Uh, but we decided we were going to celebrate. <clears throat> and then the next day, on the fourth day of Christmas, some other friends here locally, they were having an all-day party, just kind of, we want to celebrate Christmas. Come in, stop in. If you want to bring something, fine, but we're going to have food. We're going to have uh, celebration. We're going to have conversation. And so we we woke up from our party uh, the night before, which we stayed up and let the kids stay up way too late. And we drove out and visited with them at their Christmas. And we're just doing everything we can to celebrate Christmas, like true on Christmas during this season. It goes all the way to uh, the baptism of the Lord. And so in the midst of celebrating Christmas during the Christmas season, I've gotten some rather quizzical looks. As you walk into stores and you've got the people that are there at the door or in the checkout line, and, and I look at them and I say, Merry Christmas, because it's Christmas. And they look at me like I am from another planet, because Christmas is, for them, completely over, and they are moving on to New Year's, and they kind of look at me, Happy Happy New Year? I'm like, no, no, no. It's only the fourth day of Christmas, sixth day of Christmas, wherever we are. And I say, we're, we're celebrating uh, the full 12 days, and they still, they don't know what to do with me uh, during that time. And, and they didn't know what to do with me during Advent either, because I would walk in and they would say, Merry Christmas, and I'd say, Happy Advent, or Happy Holidays, which made everyone think that I was just not very festive. But ultimately, what I'm doing there is creating an opportunity to share faith. Because the, the Christmas, even though it is Christmas, and we know that it comes from the Mass of Christ, Christ Mass, right? Uh, there's a secularized idea of what Christmas is that people just accept. And so even if they say Merry Christmas, they're, they're really thinking uh, about Santa and presents and um, the materialistic uh, environment that we have created around these holidays and the, the, the traditional uh, Americanized celebration of uh, Christmas. And so by being different and by uh, being outside of the expectation, we can, again, plant seeds of what this season is about. And so, uh, you know, I've had people, I say, uh, Happy Advent. And I've had people ask me what Advent is. And so I talk about the four weeks leading up to Christmas where we spend time anticipating the, the presence of Christ in our lives, not only like those before Christ waited for him, but also that we are waiting for Christ uh, today. And, and people, now they've heard it. You know, you and I have been around Advent our whole life, perhaps, and so we're comfortable with it and we understand it, and maybe sometimes we even take it for granted, but some people have no clue what Advent is, and so now we've given them the opportunity to experience something uh, because it's peculiar, it's different, it, it piques their interest, and they ask a question, well, okay, so everyone else is done celebrating Christmas, Why, what, are you, what are you doing it was, well, we're celebrating the 12 days of Christmas. They, they know the song, right? They know about the, the 10 lords a-leaping and the, the, uh, the five golden rings. But, but the idea of actually celebrating the birth of Christ, the incarnation of God, 
for 12 days is going to, for a lot of people, it escapes them. And so this is an opportunity through our practice and really, frankly, through our having a lot of fun right now, uh, that, that they, uh, they can experience a little taste of the joy that God has brought into the world. And really, we keep talking about the 12 days of Christmas, but it's, it's not the case anymore that we have only 12 days. Uh, the 12 days of Christmas takes us to the traditional night of Epiphany, which goes from the evening of January 5th until the, the morning of January 6th. Uh, but we have uh, now a different calendar that we operate off of. Epiphany is, has been moved to the Sunday between January 2nd and January 8th. And then, of course, the baptism of the Lord falls the Sunday after uh, the, the traditional epiphany, after the, the sixth. And so some years, those two fall on the same day, like this year. So we have epiphany and baptism of the Lord that both are competing for the same Sunday. And epiphany is the bigger day, so the baptism of the Lord gets pushed a little bit further to the Monday following, which is what we have uh, this year. So epiphany will be on January 8th, and the baptism of the Lord will be the Monday following on January 9th. So we get to celebrate Christmas all the way through January 9th. Now, at the same time, before we get there, we have some other big days. The octave, this first eight days of Christmas are really the, the big old celebration days. These, uh, the, the octave of Christmas is ongoing. And of course, the octave day of Christmas is January 1st, which is the solemnity of uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, Theotokos, which normally, uh, this is one of those tricky years, normally that is a holy day of obligation, but this year, because it falls on a Monday, it's it's not. So you don't have to go to Mass, but you can. You get to go to Mass if you are so inclined, and and uh, we are. It's a great way to to roll in the new year. And perhaps as we meditate on the idea that we're in the middle of Christmas, we're currently celebrating Christmas. We're in the octave of Christmas, but there's still more to go. We're still celebrating the incarnation of Christ. Perhaps as we focus on that, that can help inform our practice, uh, the, the traditional cultural practice of creating a New Year's resolution. Uh, because now we're, we're creating that resolution with the mission of Christ in mind. Uh, you know, Advent is the beginning of the liturgical year, and so we're already kind of in our New Year uh, but as we, as a society, roll over our new year even further on January 1st, just a few days away, uh, we can create our goals with the goal of Christ in mind. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today as we go further in the show. We're going to talk with Adam Conk, one of our friends out of uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, and we're going to talk about how we approach the new year in light of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, in light of the Christmas mission, the mystery of Christmas. Don't go anywhere as there is so much more for us to talk about today here on Outside the Walls. But in the meantime, join us on social media, the ongoing conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter, the handles at outside the walls. And talk to me a little bit about how your Christmas celebration is going this year. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we are joined by Adam Conk. Uh, he is a diaconate candidate uh, down in Lafayette, Louisiana. So we've had you on the show before. Thank you so much for being on again. Thanks for having me, Timothy. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. Uh, I wanted to talk to you some about your your family's practice. Of course, you're you live down in like Catholic country where there's two percent people who aren't Catholic. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so I mean, everybody knows who they are too. <laughs> don't go don't go down that. That's the bad side of the tracks over there. <laughs> talk to me a little bit about uh, your family's personal practice of Christmas, and maybe some a little bit about the uh, the cultural practice of Christmas as it's found down there in South Louisiana. Well, as we speak, Timothy, my wife agreed to stir the uh, gumbo pot for me while I come to the interview, and we have several family friends coming over tonight to celebrate Christmas. Um, they all have, I think, at least five children each, mm-hmm. and, uh, and a couple of priests are joining us as well. And really, I mean, in, in Lafayette, Louisiana, that kind of is the luxury, if you will, when we celebrate Christmas, is that there's plenty of faithful people in other words, we'll, we'll do the small talk thing, but we also all know Jesus and we love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to gather around delicious food, uh, celebrate Christmas together. And these are the same people we went to mass with on Christmas Day, you know. And so it's it's really a beautiful thing down here around the holidays because it's so easy. It's not difficult. And I hear people from out of town or out of state talk about the stresses of the holidays, especially when it comes to their faith, right? It's difficult to share your faith with your family or, or your, your friends, or maybe you do want to get together with people of faith, but that crowd is very small. Um, so we're very blessed down here to have, to have such a thriving church. You got to get bigger houses to get everyone in. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so now yeah. that, that, that's the, the practice of family and, and, uh, and friends and coming and eating. Of course, uh, eating together is, is one of those things real symbols of hospitality throughout all, uh, all scripture. Uh, mm-hmm. but do you do any other, are there any uh, traditions specifically that happen during these 12 days, uh, that you participate in with your family? Yeah, well, I'm sure you're, you're the same way as far as it's kind of interesting that Advent is four weeks and then Christmas is two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of preparation that goes into the celebration. Whereas, you know, for instance, Lent and Easter, Lent's 40 days, Easter is 50 days, celebrations longer. So really a lot of our traditions are more Advent related as far as concrete things, things like, um, you know, we, we do the whole uh, good deed straw thing. I don't know if you heard about that, but you, you have some yarn laid out basically that are all cut. And as you do good deeds or work on whatever you're working on in your spiritual life in the family, you add a straw to an empty crib. And then by Christmas, it's a full, nice bed for the baby Jesus. And the first gift we opened was the baby Jesus. And we actually, we have this very delicate porcelain doll. Now I have six children at home. The oldest is 10, the youngest is seven months. So I don't know if this is brave or stupid or both, but (laughs) yeah, the idea is to actually teach the children to be, to think of Jesus in a tender way, like in a way, you know, a very loving, the way they would with a baby. They're used to babies, real babies. Right. And so we got a very fragile porcelain baby Jesus that we put in the crib very low where everybody can get to it. And so far after three years, he's still alive. He's missing a couple of fingers. <laughs> but, but part of the things that we do throughout the Christmas season is that the kids actually will pick up the baby just like a real baby and, and say, I want to sit with them, you know, and they sit with them and kiss him and 
Um, you know, it's a way for the two-year-old to participate as well as the 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. And um, so those are just some some examples of things we do that we've just kind of done in our family. Uh, I don't know if any saints have done them or not, but it helps us at least kind of pay attention to Christmas throughout the season because it's easy to forget what season you're in. Right. right. Right, because if you go to Walmart, it's it's already Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> so it's true. I've heard of the, the the straw before, but I've never heard of unwrapping uh, the the baby Jesus. So you take this same the same uh, baby out of the creche, and each year you wrap it, and that's a present that's unwrapped. Yeah, that's the first thing we open, and we sing Happy Birthday to Jesus, and we put him in his crib, and then we exchange very small gifts from each other, um, and we found. You know, we tried one year, let's just not do family gifts because we don't want to be materialistic and whatever. (laughs) But we found there was something missing, Mm -hmm. right? And so ever since we we decided, you know what, let's just get small gifts for each other. Mm -hmm. They enjoy it much more. They're they're generous with it. Um, I mean, it is easy to get out of hand with the materialism of the season. But the reality is that there are some American traditions that are not, you know, the gift giving, for example, that's not exactly a Catholic tradition necessarily. It's not like we're against gifts. That's a very American thing to do on Christmas. We found that we actually can use these well um, within our home, so we've done that as well. Mm-hmm. If you're just joining us, we're talking today with Adam Conk from Lafayette, Louisiana, here on Outside the Walls today about family traditions during this Christmas season. Uh, and, and so <clears throat> with, with our family, we've always done, uh, or not always, but we've been doing the three presents, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mm-hmm. So it's some some fun gift, some gift for spiritual development. And we've spent a lot of uh, a lot of that money over at the the Daughters of St. Paul, the Pauline Books store. Yeah. So they've got some great, great kid books. And then we do the myrrh, which is just, you know, PJs or slippers or something for the body, whatever that happens to be. Uh, and we, when we first started, we were thinking, hey, this is a great idea because it's going to keep present count low. And then we kept mm-hmm. having kids. And so <laughs> present count is still not low, uh, but it's it's been maybe lower than it otherwise would be. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, presents aren't evil, but right. um, but I think the generosity that it inspires is great for the kids, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's been for great. Sure. My uh, my second daughter, uh, she ha- this year has taken to, she decided she was going to sew little stuffed animal owls for all of her siblings. And so she's doing it in secret, trying to hide in this small, tiny little house from all of her siblings uh, to, to put these things together, uh, just out of her own sense of, hey, I need to be generous. Yeah, and she's going to remember that. And I think as parents, that's what we ultimately all want for our kids is that the the holy times are memorable and create memories that they will remember and go back to when they're grown up and they have kids. Like they, they want to make sure they observe the holidays and I think when you make a gift like that or a kid invests, you know, a week or two weeks into something versus buying something off the shelf, you know, with, one mon- after- with money that wasn't theirs. Right. Um, it's a much more memorable thing. And I think it's also translatable to their actual day to day life in a much easier way. Because, I mean, for example, I can take that lesson of, hey, you're going to spend two weeks investing in your in your relationship with your siblings now let's talk about investing in your relationship with God and prayer. You know, let's make him whatever. You can't really do that with buying a gift off the shelf, right? It's like, all right, now let's, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Like that's over. You know, you can't translate that action of just buying something and giving something into your spiritual life as much as you can as a real gift of self, which is really what it's all about, right? I mean, it's giving ourselves to the Lord, giving ourselves to one another. That is the church. 
Um, so, yeah. That reminds me, one of my favorite Christmas carols is In the Bleak Midwinter. And it's always fun to sing about bleakness during the Christmas holidays. <laughs> but, but there's that line, what can I give him poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I'd give a lamb. If I were a wise man, I'd do my part. But what can I give him? I'll give my heart. And so mm-hmm. we talk about that and we have that kind of language all the time. Oh, I give, I give Jesus my heart. But what exactly does that look like and how do we impart that to children? And, and I love that idea. I hadn't even considered it of these longer acts of service being a way that translates into that. Because, I mean, the, the liturgical seasons are really formation times mm-hmm. in the church year. They're, they're meant to form us and educate us year after year in stuff we should be doing all the time, right? So in a way, Christmas really does last all year for all those Hallmark movies that, that wish it would. <laughs> it actually does. Um, but the formation of Christmas, I think, is that we, we begin to look at Jesus in a new way again, like, like we do with a baby. I know you have lots of babies. I have lots of babies. Babies keep a newness for quite a while because they change so much every week. You know, you, you bring it home from the hospital, him or her, and with you know, two days later, it looks like a totally different human being, and then right. it grows up and it's doing new things. You're always looking at a baby expecting something new, and we don't do that with Jesus so much after a while. We we look at Jesus in in a way that we already know what he's going to be doing. We already know what he's up to. We already know what he's going to say, and so we stop paying attention like we do to a child. And I think the formation of Christmas is that we look at Jesus again and we say, you know what? He's, he's up to something. He's, there's something new this year, this coming year. There's something new in my life that Jesus wants to give, and I want to receive it, and I want to be open to it, and I want to give my heart, like you said. And I think that formation uh, really should be all year round where we're looking for something new for Jesus the same way. Because I guess, you know, a 33-year-old man on a cross, mm-hmm. we can look at that and there's there's a majesty to it. There's a mystery to it. But it's the same Jesus that's a, a little tiny infant in a manger. And there's an equal amount of mystery and majesty, but a certain genius to it uh, that I think should accompany us year-round. That's why all the saints, I mean, think of uh, just Mother Angelica might be a saint one day. Right? There's devotion to the Christ child, discovery that in this infant Jesus, meditating upon his infancy, we find a spiritual source of renewal every day. Uh, throughout our lives, not just in the Christmas season. That's something I really want to talk about is how do we take this this fact that we're in the middle of the Christmas season, and that's kind of co- coalescing around uh, the the cultural tradition of making New Year's resolutions, of how am I going to be better this year, and to, to merge those two events and to say, okay, how am I going to, to change my life for the better this year in light of the mystery of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Mm. So let's, uh, when we come back from this this break, uh, let's take some time to really unpack that idea and uh, and find out how to do that in a practical way. We're talking today with Adam Conk. He is a aspirant for the diaconate in the Diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana. A friend of ours has been on the show a couple of times. Join the ongoing conversation over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. And visit the website at outsidethewalls.com. There's much more to this conversation right after the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today we're talking with Adam Conk from the Diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana. He is an aspirant uh, in the Diaconate Formation Program there. Uh, and so, so glad to have you on the show again, Adam. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. We're talking about how do we take Christmas... Uh, this this mystery of the incarnation of Christ, which really, we get really comfortable around Christmas because Christmas is a time that we celebrate traditions. And so Christmas mm-hmm. comes and we do the same things and we <clears throat> we go to midnight mass and we have our family meal, which that's the one meal every year that does not change, right? Uh, so <laughs> uh, we, we fall into this traditions, which traditions are powerful because they can remind us but they're also, they're a double-edged sword because we can also get so comfortable with them that we no longer examine them. And so here mm-hmm. we are celebrating the mystery of the incarnation of Christ, that God came into the world not only uh, to redeem us and to redeem our natures and to reconcile us with God the Father, but to make us, as we talked about last week on the show, to make us partakers in the divine nature, that as he shares in our nature, he also invites us to share in his. And so there's just so much around this, this mystery of the incarnation that if we really sat and, and pondered it and contemplated it with the church, with the church fathers and the writings that have been offered us, our minds would just explode. Mm-hmm. And, and so now to take this, this mystery of the incarnation, and to wed it to that cultural practice of New Year's resolutions, how am I going to make this year a better year. Um, <clears throat> how am I going to set goals that are achievable, that are that are timely, that are measurable, uh, that I can live out more fully uh, the the ministry that God has has given us as ministers of reconciliation, as Paul puts it. How am I going to grow spiritually so that I can uh, be a reflection of Christ to the world around me? So, talk a little bit about uh, how you're looking at this new year. Uh, in light of this mystery, this Christmas mystery of Christ becoming man? Well, I think as we listen to the Gospels around this season at Mass, and if we just read the Gospels at home and pray with them, it's very interesting what kind of dynamic the presence of Christ brought to the lives of Mary and Joseph. Because, you know, we talk about New Year's resolutions and making plans— and what's interesting is that as soon as Christ enters their life, every one of their plans is disrupted, and they get into a pattern of behavior or a pattern of decision where it's, what is next? What does God want from me next? You know, St. Joseph, he wasn't told much in each dream, right? right. <laughs> Thankfully, he had the dreams, but they were short and sweet, and he had a next step given. You know, Herod's trying to kill the boy, flee to Egypt. Okay, and he goes, and I'll tell you when, he, you know, when the next step is. And so I think if we approach this year, it's a good, a year is a good step, right? It's a good discernment time. It's much more difficult to discern 20 years, but I think a year is a good discernment time. And if we take on the pattern of the Holy Family, which is complete abandonment to the will of God and looking for the what's next, I think we can find the presence of Christ in our lives that is giving us that what next. And the, the reality is, Timothy, I think every one of us listening this year, God has something very important for us, very important for us. And I think sometimes we kind of think, you know, there are years of grace, maybe like every three years, every five years, God's going to do something great in my life. But in reality, right now, today, this new year, 2018, 
God wants to do something amazing in my life. And so I would offer just three tips as far as like how to actually participate in what God wants me to do this year. Um, the first would be discernment. The second would be formation. And the third would be mission. So the Holy Family had to discern. They had help. They had help from the angels. They had their own tradition, their own faith tradition to fall back on. They had people in their life helping and guiding them. Um, they discern God's will for their family. And if we don't have an active discernment in, my li- in our life, you know, what is God speaking to me in prayer? Do I have a spiritual director to help me navigate this? Um, what are the signs of God's will? Am I familiar with them? And who's, who's helping me learn this, right? Who is my mentor? Who's my spiritual mentor in discerning God's will? Then we're really not going to do much this year as far as gaining spiritual traction. Because if we're not connected to God's will through discernment, then it's all going to be our own effort this year, you know, to lose weight or to whatever, like whatever we're going to resolve, it's just our idea. And even if we pull it off, so what, right? Like if it's not God's idea, it's God's idea that saves us. It's God's presence that gives us salvation. So I think that first step of discernment, if we aren't masters of discernment, if we aren't, well, let me put it this way, a mature Christian, and I'm not saying this because I am one, but a mature Christian can discern the will of God effectively. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in the way to say yes to God. That doesn't mean it's easy. You know, Mary is the most mature Christian of us all, and her life was not easy as Jesus entered into her life, but it was clear to her from one moment to the next, what should I be doing right now? Yeah, and and you look at the, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, and implicit in that is uh, is a call for discernment. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that means that we don't necessarily know what his kingdom is or what his will is. We're just saying, okay, make it manifest and make it manifest through me. Help me to find it. Uh, and mm-hmm. we see that in the Old Testament where you have uh, he led the, the children of Israel through the desert one day at a time. They had to follow mm-hmm. after the pillar that we have to let go of those bigger plans and say, okay, I, I need to be familiar with the signs, whether that be as obvious as a, a pillar of cloud or as, uh, as nebulous as the still small voice uh, to be able to listen and to follow you. Uh, we're talking today, if you're just joining us, with Adam Conk. He's a diaconate uh, aspirant for the Diocese of Lafayette. So that's discernment. You mentioned a couple of other steps to call Yeah, and then form, formation and mission. So they lead to one another. If I'm discerning God's will, guess what? He's calling me. If I'm not dead yet, he's calling me to become a greater saint tomorrow than I am today. Mm-hmm. But this doesn't just happen overnight. I think, you know, in working with people in the parish and, and in RCIA especially, we get very discouraged with ourselves when we know we want to be better, do better, love God more, but we feel like we can't just do it. We can't just get there. But there's a reason we lack formation. It's not that we lack, not, not that we're inadequate Christians. It's not like there's something wrong with us. But we as human beings need to be educated and need to be formed. And this is why Jesus comes to us. He comes to bring us, like you said, to bring us into the life of the Trinity that shares divine sonship. And this is all of formation and something new. You know, you and I are not heading to heaven on our own, Timothy, right? Like we need God's grace. We need, we need a whole new way of living like St. Paul says, we need to be renewed in our mind um, that Christ would would so enter our life that we are completely different. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Well, this year needs to be that kind of year for every one of us. And God's going to ask us in our discernment 
to do very specific things for formation. This could be certain books to read. It could be certain classes to take. It, it could just be as simple as a, a particular mentor or friendship in our life that we know that when we're around these people, we are better Christians. And so to spend more time with these people, um, it could be certain prayer practices. But there is absolutely 100% this year something God is asking every one of us to do to, to be formed more deeply in the Christian life. And if we don't do it, we'll miss out on his will, right? Like, it's dependent. Mary had to uh, go through so much formation, even though she was sinless, so much formation. Um, you mentioned journeying in the desert, right? The, the people of Israel had to go through so much formation, and everyone from that first generation had to die off so that the new generation could actually accept the promises. And so the blessings God wants to give us in this year, they require a certain commitment to that formation. You know, we... So many people have this picture that, well, my formation is done once, I, once I'm confirmed. I don't have to go back to RE or to CCD or whatever the classes are called. Uh, and, yet, and yet we're called to be continually formed as disciples of Jesus Christ, as people who are learning from him and following after him. Yeah, because, you know, when Jesus traveled from town to town, I don't know if you remember this scene in the gospel, I'm sure you do because you love your gospels, but... <laughs> He went to this town and they loved him so much. And he said, all right, I got to move on. And they said, don't go. You know, they, they pressed him to stay. And he said, well, this, this was why I was sent to go preach from town to town. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they let him leave. Well, why didn't they just go with him? Right. Like, why didn't they just go on mission with Jesus? And I think our, our lack of formation is that same dynamic. Jesus is ready to move in our life in a new way. But we lack that commitment to, to the hard work of formation. And so we just let him leave. And we say, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I don't want to grow anymore. You just come back next year, Jesus, right? Instead of journeying with him where he's calling us to deepen our relationship with him through formation. And of course, you find out what that mission is by being formed. You find out that mission by following after. Exactly, because mission, if you follow the life of Jesus, even from the crib, mission is always something that happens in real time, right? So, for example, what was Jesus' mission during his three years? Well, it was to preach, to heal, and all these things. And this all happened. The agenda was set that day. You know, a, a blind person came to him. A, and I'm not saying we have to live our life completely spontaneous. What I am saying is when we discern, when we're formed, and when we're with Jesus in that formation, boom, that's where the mission comes, the real mission that we're given. Well, you, you say you don't have to live always uh, spontaneously. And yet I think we have to always be willing for spontaneity to encroach into our plans. You've got that in the Gospel of Mark where you have uh, Jesus gets, uh, th- there's a storm at sea and Jesus greets them and then they get off the storm and, uh, someone comes and says, come heal my child. And he goes that way and he gets interrupted by the woman with the issue of blood and he stops there and then he ends up raising someone from the dead. And it's just like, Hey, I'm going to be present in this moment, presently listening for the voice of God to see what it is he calls me to do. We've been talking today with Adam Conk out of the Diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana. Always a pleasure to have you on, Adam. Thanks, Timothy. Same here, man. When we come back, we're going to take a deep dive into this week's readings from Scripture and church history. Until then, join the ongoing conversation over on social media, facebook.com slash stepoutsidethewalls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. And don't forget to visit us over at outsidethewalls.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we've been talking about the incarnation of Christ and how that affects our New Year's resolutions. I've been talking with a friend of mine, Adam Conk. He is a aspirant for the diaconate down in the Diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, and has uh, some strong connections with Catholic Radio himself. Had a great conversation with him, and if you uh, if you want more, well, there is more. Uh, each week we record an extra segment that doesn't make it to the air, but does make it to those people who support the show through Patreon. As little as $5 a month, and you get access to all of those episodes. Of course, you can support the show for less than that or for more than that, and the rewards vary depending on what level you choose. But you can get to that that extra segment by going over to OutsideTheWalls.com, clicking the Patreon Support the Show link, and finding the level you feel comfortable with to support the show on an ongoing basis so that we can continue to bring you excellent content week in and week out. Uh, and of course, by doing that, you get the extra uh, extra benefit of these extra segments. Got a great one with uh, with Adam today. Now, if you uh, if you missed any part of this show or if you want to share it with someone through social media or other means, uh, just go to OutsideTheWalls.com. Today's episode, as soon as we're done here, it'll be right at the top of the page uh, for easy access to re-listen or to, uh, to send it off on your social media. While we're on the topic of social media, why don't you join me over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter, the handles at outside the walls and talk to me about your, uh, your Christmas traditions as we're right in the middle of the, uh, the Christmas celebration. Perhaps you want to talk to me about the discernment process you're going through, uh, as you create your new year's resolution. What does that look like for you as you contemplate, uh, what ways you want your next year to improve upon your last year. Everybody's discernment process is a little bit different. Maybe there's something that you do uh, that I could benefit from or one of the other people who listen to the show could benefit from. So come and share that over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls or Twitter the handles at outside the walls. Now, each week we want to delve into scripture and a reading from church history. And today's readings, uh, I love they're just exceptionally rich. And we're going to start with the, the reading from Scripture. This comes from the sixth day in the octave of Christmas, and it's the first reading out of the book of 1 John. I am writing to you, children, because your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. I am writing to you, children, because you know the Father. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world sensual lust, enticement for the eyes, and a pretentious life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. Yet the world and its enticement are passing away, but whoever does the will of God remains forever. That reading comes from the book of 1 John, and in light of our last conversation about uh, with Adam about discerning uh, what the will of God is for our life, this this takes on a whole new meaning 
uh, the, the world and its enticements are passing away, but whoever does the will of God remains forever. It's so easy to become enraptured by our culture, by the, the technological opportunities we have, by uh, the entertainments that we have. Yet the world and its enticements are passing away. And so how, how strongly we cling to those things which are so fleeting, which are temporal. And so the, the difficult question, and it's, I'm not suggesting anything other than it being exceptionally difficult, the difficult question is to ask, uh, what are the things what, that remain? What, what is the will of God for me? And, and are there things of this world, this temporal world, that are bad for me, that I am hanging on to, that I'm just grasping uh, and refusing to let go of? Is this something that, that really uh, I really need, or is this something that I have become numb to and enticed by uh, that, that ultimately would do me harm? Or would ultimately distract me from the proper thing of doing the will of the Father. These things in and of themselves are not bad, right? Technology in and of itself is not intrinsically bad, but it can become for us a stumbling block. It can become for us a thing that draws our attention away from God. And so in these next few days as I approach the new year, I've got some really difficult uh, thinking to do on what does it mean for me to really do the will of the Father? What does it mean for me to to love Christ more than the world? To be in the world, yes, but not of it. Where is that distinction? Where's that line? And where's that line fall for me this year? What is God calling me to this year? But I love this writing from from First John because he's he's a, a natural pep talk kind of a guy. He's saying, I'm writing to you because your sins have been forgiven for his namesake, because you know him who is from the beginning, because you have conquered the evil one. And he's he's telling them this as if they should already know this. And maybe they do in some sense, but I have a feeling that they don't really grasp it. And he's telling them, no, 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 you, you do know him who's from the beginning. You know the Father. You have conquered the evil one. So after giving this little pep talk, he then says, and because of all this, remember to love God more than you love the temporal things of the world. And this is a great picture because he could have just come in and said, listen, you're doing it all wrong and you're attracted to the wrong things and you're, you're just going to go down in flames. But he didn't. He started off saying, you already you already know the Father. You might need to focus on him a little bit more, but you know the Father, and you know him who is from the beginning. And through Christ, you have conquered the evil one, and maybe you still feel weak to temptation, but you have conquered the evil one, and so hold fast to that. Hold fast to that which lasts and not which that which is passing away. And today's reading from church history really follows very much the same path uh, this is from a treatise on the refutation of all heresies by St. Hippolytus. Our faith is not founded upon empty words, nor are we carried away by mere caprice or beguiled by specious arguments. On the contrary, we put our faith in words spoken by the power of God, spoken by the Word Himself at God's command. God wished to win men back from disobedience, not by using force to reduce him to slavery, but by addressing to his free will a call to liberty. The word spoke first of all 
through the prophets. But because the message was couched in such obscure language that it could be only dimly apprehended, in the last days the Father has sent the word in person, commanding him to show himself openly so that the world could see him and be saved. We know that taking a body from the virgin, he refashioned our fallen nature. We know that his manhood was of the same clay as our own. If this were not so, he would hardly have been a teacher who could expect to be imitated. If he were of a different substance from me, he would surely not have ordered me to do as he did, when by my very nature I am so weak. Such a demand could not be reconciled with his goodness and justice. No, he wanted us to consider him as no different from ourselves. And so he worked. He was hungry and thirsty. He slept. Without protest, he endured his passion. He submitted to death and revealed his resurrection. In all these ways, he offered his own manhood as the first fruits of our race to keep us from losing heart when suffering comes our way and to make us look forward to receiving the same reward as he did, since we know that we possess the same humanity. When we have come to know the true God, both our bodies and our souls will be immortal and incorruptible. We shall enter the kingdom of heaven, because while we lived on earth, we acknowledged heaven's king. Friends of God and co-heirs with Christ, we shall be subject to to no evil desires or inclinations, or to any affliction of body or soul, for we shall have become divine. Whatever evil you may have suffered being man, it is God that sent it to you precisely because you are man. But equally, when you have been deified, God has promised you a share in every one of his own attributes. The saying, know yourself, means therefore that we should recognize and acknowledge in ourselves the God who made us in his own image. For if we do this, we in turn will be recognized and acknowledged by our Maker. So let us not be at enmity with ourselves, but change our way of life without delay. For Christ, who is God exalted above all creation, has taken away man's sin and has refashioned our fallen nature. In the beginning, God made man in his image and so gave proof of his love for us. If we obey his holy commands and learn to imitate his goodness, we shall be like him, and he will honor us. God is not beggarly, and for the sake of his own glory, he has given us a share in his divinity. That reading, a challenging one, comes from a treatise on the refutation of all heresies by St. Hippolytus, and it's a big thing for us if we are sharers in his divine nature because it means that uh, all of the demands that, that holiness has upon us are attainable through his strength. That's all the time we have for today's show. Today's episode was brought to you by Chip Scheitlin and all those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, and join their number. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.